Since then, you've been raised up with Christ. That's Colossians 3.1. If you've been raised up with Christ, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? So let me introduce our panel for those of you that don't know them. This is Jess. Hi. This is Kathy. Hello. This is Megan. Hello. And Holly. Hi. And I'm Debbie. So, um, yeah. So, um, how do we do that? How do we keep our feet in, on the ground and our heart in heaven? Some people accuse Christians of being so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And the, the tragedy about that, I, I don't know that many people that are so heavenly minded. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, um, shouldn't it be we're so heavenly minded, we're profoundly earthly good. So how do we do that? How do we live that in the midst of battles that we face? And we do face battle. Every one of you, I know their stories. I know so many of your stories. You're facing real things that aren't fair, that hurt that are hard to reconcile with a good God. Right. So somebody share of how, how, how do we really anchor our soul um, to the promises of God and walk it out? Silence. No. <laughs> I forgot everything that, I, that the Lord showed me. No, I'm kidding. Um, how to walk it out. I heard a lot and I'm going to try not to cry. But I heard a lot today. The word mind. The word lies. And how, for me, what the Lord's been doing in my life is he's had me camped at Romans 12.2 for about two months. And the renewing of the mind and what that looks like tangibly and we all kind of discussed this earlier but um, our thought life and our perspective is everything with how we view the world and how we view what God is allowing in our lives and how we're going to respond to that because we are responsible for our inner man and we are responsible for um, what we allow into our mind. And the word of God has to be that plumb line. And we have to go there in order to determine if what we're thinking is correct or not. Amen. Somebody add to that. Okay, so I'll tell you what I tell the kids because it's... The Christian life is complicated, and yet it's very simple. You want to hold this for me? Yes. You've got to read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. (laughs) 
sorry, it's just simple. <laughs> um, as we were talking earlier today at lunchtime, I looked at Kathy and I said, as you walk the aisles, and, and some of you don't know, she's head of children's ministry, as you walk the aisles, you would look at her and say, that girl, lucky her, she has, um, you know, no problems in her life. <laughs> uh, of course she's happy. And... Um, but there's something that powers you. You, you're, you. you do have a few problems that you face, a few battles that you faced. And um, so share that, that simple pro, uh, formula that you give the kids. How do you apply it? So, um, yeah, I've had a rough year this last year. Um, and my life is not perfect. And, but I do find my joy in the Lord. And my life verse is Nehemiah 8.10, which is the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when the troubles come, and they're going to come, it's, it's the strength of the Lord that gives me the joy. It's not a fake joy. It's not, okay, I'm children's ministry. I've got a plaster on my my fake kid smile. It's, it's a real joy that's deep in my heart. And whatever comes at me, I can still have that joy in him. And it's, um, it's joy and peace. And Margie stole my verse, which I had <laughs> saved for today, which was, it was that joy and peace that's from the Lord. It's, yes. it's, not, it's not in my kids, who I love. My friends, who I love, my husband, who I love, my ministry that I love, it's, it's got to be founded in the joy of the Lord because everything else is going to let you down. I'm sorry, it just will. And I tell the kids, every problem that you have can be found answered in this book. And yeah. same for your parents. Just read it every day. And joy is a choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. Um, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but it's not. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. And God definitively says, "Choose this day, whom you will church, whom you will serve." And with Kathy as the example, and actually each one of you, um, in sometimes that I've seen you go to through some severe things, mm-hmm. um, you chose that day to walk in his truth and walk in his love and walk in his joy. You know, that's, that's a powerful thing, and it creates that default. And I know for me, as, as I know for most of you probably experience this, when we start the pity party and the, um, the discouragement, it... it, it erodes a path also. Who will say that? If you start that path, then you continue on that path and it, and it digs a rut. And so back to Romans 12.1, which starts out by saying, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then two comes. Then two comes. When you put yourself into the hands of God and you say, God, you're the boss of me, then he gives you the power when that crossroad comes to make that choice. 
and to choose his will and to, to groove that rut. Holly, you have your little packet. She has a little packet of scripture packet. cards that she carries around. So, They're kind of raggedy. Yeah. Um, Margie said something. She said, um, when I'm hopeless, the Holy Spirit is quenched. Why? Because in my mind, I believe lies. And as I've been kind of going on this journey with the Lord, um, he's shown me some lies that are deep-rooted that I've believed that have really um, made a difference in how I live my life. And I, I caught notice of it, and I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? So... I intentionally sat down with the Lord. I wrote out some lies that I was believing. I prayed. I was in the word. I found the root causes of those lies. And I took scripture as the antidote for those lies. (laughs) And I carry this with me everywhere I go because I forget. I will start believing a lie, and it's like, no, 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 and I have to have my scripture in front of my face until I believe it, until it becomes that default um, mode that I go to, and it takes effort to do that. We just can't allow thoughts to run through our minds without checking them and finding out where they're coming from because there's destructive thoughts that we have and the only antidote is the truth of God's word. And so I'm on a mission with my little four-by-six cards. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I think there, we were talking before, and I think sometimes we think there's this really complex you know, algorithm for figuring this all out. And it's really, like Kathy said, just read your Bible and pray every day. And those truths will permeate your brain. When you don't know what to think, those truths will be the thing that speak in your mind. When you don't know what the answer is, those truths and his promises will come back to you. Um, And I think, for me, that's what I think serves as my foundation. I think when everything around the world, you know, tries to distract you or pops up and wants your attention... um, that routine, as much as it is a routine, it is so helpful and needed for your life because without it, um, the first thing that wants your attention, you'll just go right for it. You won't even give, you know, God's truth a second, um, a second thought and you'll, so. My, uh, well, you still have the microphone, Megan. Um, one of the things that Margie said today was that empower, empowering moment when you say yes to God. Mm-hmm. And when you say yes to God, then watch out. I mean, he is going to do something beyond and your ability to do and even beyond your imagination. So how, how you shared about that. <laughs> I did share about that <laughs> because I'm terrified of public speaking and being up on a stage with a microphone and look how ironic it is where I'm sitting. Um, yeah, so I think Debbie kind of just asked, you know, what that looks like. And for me, I mean, it's just saying yes and doing the thing that makes you uncomfortable. Um, and even just leading up to this, it's been so sweet to see... Um, 
just God's faithfulness and how he um, gives you everything you need. And it's nothing of me, because if it was myself, I would be a chattering mess up here, shaking. And um, by his grace, I'm cool as a clam. And um, I don't know why, but that is, I mean, it is. I don't know why. It is him. Um, And I think it's just doing that thing that seems uncomfortable and seems weird, I think, um, I heard this saying, it was applying to like a financial term, but be weird, like be weird, do the weird thing in this society and culture. Like if it seems weird, it's probably the right thing to do. If it's <laughs> kind of odd and out of the ordinary, you're probably on the right track. At least for me, if I'm doing something that no one else around me is doing, I'm like, I'm probably on the right track. I'm probably doing something that's okay. So I'm going to b- bounce this over to Jess down there. Uh, Jess is a mom and a wife, and the first time I met her, Uh-oh. I reminded her today, <laughs> she was exactly right there, and That's she same. was crying her eyes out, really literally crying her eyes out, and her yeah. nose was running. I'm sorry to embarrass no, you. No, it's but, okay. I've, but it, yeah. she was a mess. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I was sitting probably in the back row somewhere over there, so I, well, who's going to go and take care of her? Right. I, I went and just not, not knowing what to say. I mean, how do you, what do you say to that? Yeah. And in that, that very day, we became very close friends. Yes. And that's never been broken. No, it hasn't. And I treasure what God has done. She is not a crying mess. <laughs> At the moment. And she, <laughs> and she still has issues to deal with in life. Yeah. Uh, Share a little bit of what God's done in your life along this theme. Um, So I think just bouncing off of what some of the other ladies have said and what Margie said is that um, knowing who our God is and what his heart is towards us makes, at least for me, all the difference in the world on how I approach issues in my life knowing that his heart is for me and not against me and that um, I can count on him and trust in him that even though I'm dealing with things that I'd rather not deal with that are very hurtful, I can trust him to walk with me through it and see me to the other side. And, And I can trust him to know that if my circumstances don't actually change, he's still good. He still loves me. And I still have the hope of heaven, which is where all these circumstances do change. And, and that's the ultimate change. That's the, that's the thing that we're longing for. Yes, we'd like our husbands to X, Y, Z, or we'd like our kids to do whatever, or our jobs to look the way we want them to look. But what we're actually longing for is to see Christ face to face and to know him as he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I, um, I had a best friend in my neighborhood. I, uh, some of you've heard me share about her. She is 96. Um, um, she went up to take a shower and came down and, um, and God just took her <laughs> like that. She had one of those buttons you can push, she didn't push it. She had her cell phone right there. She can call. I think the Lord just said, you want to go? And she said, Yes. <laughs> And um, uh, she was a, a, an amazing, an amazing godly woman. And really, she was one of my very, very best friends. 
Uh, but she had a lot of hard things in her file of life. She had a son that died uh, when he was a young man. Uh, she was a widow. Um, but she, um, she constantly was an evangelist. First uh, Peter, First Peter three uh, was written. It's really Peter's song, uh, swan song, written at the very end of his life. He said, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have." And it's about sharing the gospel. And sharing, we have this great hope of heaven. I mean, when we read the story, we go, you know, um, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to see his face. And, you know, there's people that don't even know that they can go. And um, about uh, within the same year that her husband died and her son died, um, her neighbor across the street got a divorce he was a very accomplished military man, a pilot, and then a, a captain of an aircraft carrier. Um, she went over one day and she said, um, do you know Jesus? He said, no. He said, she said, uh, would you like to know him? And he said, yes. And he accepted the Lord. That was 16 years ago. He stood up at her funeral crying like a baby. <laughs> it's my favorite moment of, of, of all the stories about a godly life. And um, so we're just going to shift a little bit here and, um, and just talk about sharing your faith, sharing about um, there in the table in the hall, there's a little flyer that's a cheat sheet of how to share your faith. And um, number one, why? And the answer is, it's a command. (laughs) (laughs) Again, if the Lord is the boss of you, it's a command and it's a privilege. He said, let your light so shine that people will glorify your Father in heaven. And he also said, go, make disciples. And, and so um, in, the, in the hall, there's also about 200 Gospels of John uh, that you can pick up one and pray for a divine appointment. And so how can, we be, how can we be a light to those around us? I mean, we've got this holy secret. This real, and hopefully it's more tangible to us after today. That, that we have an eternal hope, how can we tangibly um, share our faith in real down-to-earth ways? Um, maybe, maybe one of you can share how someone shared with you or uh, a moment that you were bold or what you feel like God has to say um, that. Just the other day, a few days ago, the Lord provided an opportunity for me that looked like an absolute interruption to my plans um, and you know, I have my keys in my hand and I'm ready to walk out the door with my daughter and we have a full day and, um, a neighbor woman, I could just see by the way her back was bent. She was sad. She was really sad. And so 
put the keys down, put the stuff down, let's walk over, and, you know, just out comes this tragic story of lots of things going on, and the Lord gave me the opportunity to pray with her. So I think it's really a matter of slowing down and allowing God to, to, to direct our paths. Because I could have easily ignored her, and she wouldn't have known I was even there. Um, but that's not what the Lord had for her or for me that day. So I think it's stuff like that. You just showed up in her little drama. Yeah, big drama. And um, <laughs> Big drama. <laughs> and um, again, Peter said, first of all, revere in your heart Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. Back to this thing. It's his will. It's his heart. He loves people. And if we ask him to give us that, his heart, he will show us that divine appointment. Mm -hmm. And then we have to step into it, show up in people's drama. I also, um, Margie had mentioned about not being bubble wrapped. And Mm -hmm. there's many of us that work out in the world um, as I am one of those people. And, you know, it's interesting how when people know that you are a Christian, and not just a Christian, but that you love people, um, and that you're, even though you go through hard things, that your life is not chaotic, when their chaos comes up, they want to talk to you. And I had such a situation with my boss, and she was going through something really difficult and came to me and talked to me about it. And I said, well, you know, do you want to accept the Lord? And she was like, no, no, not ready for that. I'm like, okay. So the next day she came to work, and she came to me, and she said, okay, I'm ready. I want to accept the Lord. <laughs> So not only, I mean, I got to lead her to the Lord um, and pray with her, and I got paid for it. I was on the clock. (laughs) And she is the sweetest spiritual daughter now, and we listen to Christian music at work, and the patients come in, and they comment on it, and God is so good. Well, I am so fortunate because I get to share Jesus with little ones. And, you know, kids are so accepting. And you have to, you have to get Jesus out of them rather than getting Jesus into to them because their faith is from their, their youngest age. They, maybe they remember when they met Jesus in heaven before they got here. So... Um, on Monday, I have 200 little kids coming here for VBS, the most fun four days that you'll ever have. And it's just so awesome that, you know, from nine to noon, um, we're just going to be sharing the Lord with these kids. And I can't tell you, I meet people all the time that will tell me, their story of salvation from VBS, from, you know, older people. Oh, I got a popsicle and I accepted Jesus and they never forget. It's, it, it's just one of those things that, um, so anyway, if you guys all want to be praying for this next week, because 
we have such a wonderful opportunity to share the Lord with these sweet kids. And um, just like Debbie was saying, we don't hide our light under a bushel. No. <laughs> We're going to let it shine. So anyway, I'm really fortunate. So, and, and some of the parents that bring their children here is because they know that that they should do that. They should give spiritual things to their kids, but they don't know Christ. And so, um, and that's true in the hall um, here as, as parents are checking in their kids. Um, that's, there's, there's people that come that don't know the Lord yet. So many divine appointments. And the Lord helps, opens our spiritual eyes when we have a burden for souls. Um, Debbie, can I say something? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say the M word, the millennial word. Um, <laughs> Good. I feel like, yeah. Good. Um, and reaching them, it's, it's uncharted territory, um, 100%. Um, and so just encouraging. If you have millennials in your life, um, I don't know what the right way to say this is, but don't beat them over the head. I think ask to hear their story. Ask to hear what they've been through. Um, don't just... Um, give Bible verses left and right. I think that's good at some point, but sometimes they need to let out their story first before they can see what they need to accept the truth and love and the grace they need in their life. Um, And I think part of, I think Margie touched on it so beautifully. When you're out in the grocery store, just say hi to people. Um, And that, I think that just applies to all people, but you know, more so people, younger generations, just say hi to them. Ask them how they're really doing. How's their life? How's their job? And they'll tell you the woes of their life. They'll tell you. They're more than willing to tell. We have woes, and we will tell you them. Uh, We'll tell you about our student debt, or we'll tell you about our things. And that's such a way for you to step in and say, but this is the God who's bigger than your problems, and this is the God who is, you know, can save you or save you from this or give you freedom in that. Um, And so I just would encourage anyone in, in that, that have people in that sphere of influence, um, just be willing to sit down and take a couple minutes and hear their story. Um, and like Marky said, you know, tell them to put their phone down. It'll be okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll survive. <laughs> we, I think we needed to hear that. Yes. We really needed to hear that because sometimes we think that your generation, they would never listen to us. They would never um, be interested in what we would have to say. But I think the key is you be interested in them. I needed to call Apple Support, which is my favorite <laughs> phone number, <laughs> um, to, to figure out something with my device. And this guy was, he sounded about 21. He <laughs> was a baby. <laughs> and um, he knew everything. And he was so sweet, so patient. And at the end, I said, you, you have, you've helped me so much. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to answer a dilemma for you and tell you that um, I don't know what, what's going on in your life. But I, I know for sure that God does. And I know for sure that he loves you. And I know for sure that if you call to him, better than Apple support, um, <laughs> That he will answer you and show you great and wonderful things that you do not know. Well, it was silent for at least 30 seconds on the phone. <laughs> and, um, and then he said, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. Thank you. Thank you, he said that. We must... 
the whole start of why this church is called Calvary Chapel was because one skinny little woman, <laughs> mid-life, I mean, she was probably 40-something, and she had a burden for the young people, and they looked very unreachable. The churches did not want the young people of that generation. And she would drag Pastor Chuck Smith down to the beach and pray for the kids. And um, we do not want this generation to be eaten up by the world. We want them to know our Savior. Amen? Amen. 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 Always be ready to answer for the hope that lies within us. Margie gave us seven principles, and um, they were just riveting, I thought. Uh, one thing was to ponder heaven. That was a really good point. <laughs> Did you forget? Sometimes we think that we're just waiting to go to heaven, but we're not. Do we ever look at the clouds, look at the sky, and say, is today the day? And um, number six, I thought was really great, and I want to really bounce that among the team. Uh, find your satisfaction in God. Fall in love with Him. Let me say that again. Find your satisfaction in God. Paul did that when he was in prison. Stripped of his, his uh, profession, uh, traveling um, evangelist, of his possessions, of his freedom. He, he found a satisfaction in God. So how can we do that? How's a, how's a tangible way that we can let him fill our cup? I think um, just knowing that these, this world is passing away and these things are passing away. It's pretty, for me, I don't know, not, I shouldn't say easy, that sounds flippant, but I mean, no offense to anybody here, everyone has disappointed me at some point. And I don't mean that dramatically. I've disappointed everyone in my life at least once, if not multiple times. So I know right there a person cannot satisfy me. I've had cars break down I don't know how many times. My car cannot satisfy me. I have lost jobs, I've been fired from jobs, and I've quit jobs. That's not my satisfaction. I run out of money often, so... I mean, just those practical things, not, you know, just those things that we experience, I know that, that life, this world does not satisfy. And so then, what does? Well, the Bible tells me that the Lord does, and, and I have tested that, I've walked that out, and it's proven to be true. Amen. Good work. Well, I agree. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Again, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, um, that really got me through this tough year is the fact that um, I felt needed here at this place. And if you don't feel needed, come Monday morning and help me with 200 kids. You will feel very needed. <laughs> um, You've got to you've got to find a place where you can make a difference, and all of you can do something. You know, okay, I'm a seven, um, but I need ones. I need. Do you guys know what that is? No. The enneagram, the numbers. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, 
everybody has a role. We're not all the same. And just because I am the fun kid one, that doesn't mean that I don't need people to count shirts or to greet people or do... Everybody has a place in this place. If this is your church... Find a place where you're needed because it's so important. And that you will find satisfaction in being needed, being used by the Lord, using your gifts for him, for his people, for his little ones, for his older ones. Everybody is needed in this place. And so, and you don't have to have a formal assignment. No. I, I just want to say that you do not have to have a formal assignment. Like I'm a, a official a greeter. Sometimes I'm not an official greeter. I just point myself for the moment, <laughs> and just you know, it is. No one has to say this is your job. You, Jesus had a short fuse, as we know. He had a short fuse. He knew the clock was ticking. And so what did he say? Even when he was a kid, he said, I must be about my father's business. And it's an empowering thing, you know, because sometimes we all get really down and really blue. And we can do that. Like Holly said, um, we can make the choice whether to go up with our thoughts or down with our thoughts. And, um, you know, one of the things that when the devil's hassling you and you get these down thoughts and these, these fearful or these angry spots at someone, thoughts at someone, you can just say to the enemy, I don't have time for that. I do not have time for that. I want to be about my father's business. Amen? Yeah. Let's say that together. I want to be about my father's business. I think Megan wants to say something. Yeah, I think back, I think combining all of those things next to number six, um, Margie made the note about um, learn about him, learn, learn about who he is. And I think when you learn about him, you learn about his business and what he wants. And ultimately, you know, you want to live a life glorifying to him. And I think that's in service. I think you get to the point where you learn enough about him and what his work is that then you are a part of the work you become you know, his hands and his feet. And I think that gives you satisfaction. You get your eyes off yourself and onto him and on his work. And I think that is satisfying in itself when you don't, when you're, you know, not realizing how empty or what I'm lacking or what I don't have, you're so much outward facing and looking at what that person needs and what do they need. Um, I think that together with his word, his truth, his promises, who he is combined together, I think ultimately sets you on that track of being satisfied in him. Falling in love with Jesus um, on a personal level and then going into service, but for a personal level for me, um, from the past that I have, having him heal me and set me free and not be afraid to say and know that it's the human dilemma it's not, you know, to, to understand how he uniquely designed me and how I think and how I, you know, am able to make a, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, just um, to... Masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, masterpiece. Um, made me fall so in love with him. And then I wanted to watch other women before my eyes do the same thing. And 
I get to meet with women weekly and watch them, watch them light up, watch them um, have the lies dissipate and the truth, and watch them come alive and watch them glow. And just to serve the Lord that way is, you know, it's like it's that abundant, um, that exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If I may, number yeah. five, just before that, that Margie said is travel together. And I think this really just is circling into that, that we need to travel together. And service is such an excellent way of being able to get plugged into the body and to make friends um, my first time of service was VBS, <laughs> another plug, <laughs> but it was, it was so transforming because I wouldn't have really hung out with Kathy. I wouldn't have hung out with Sherry. I wouldn't have hung out with the other women that were back there doing the same thing that I was. And honestly, as a new Christian, they, everybody was intimidating but then once, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you're messing with glue and all these different things, suddenly they're not so intimidating anymore. We're just normal women serving the Lord together. So it's been awesome. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and in service, I, I feel like um, that God wants to remind us the end game of all service is to glorify him, and in Matthew 25, he gets this great picture of eternity when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him. He'll sit on his throne of glory, and then everyone will be gathered, and he'll separate the sheep from the goat, and he'll make this profound statement. He'll look at the sheep, and he says, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom, for I was hungry, and you gave me food, Thirsty, you gave me drink. Stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And they'll say, so, so when did we do that? And he'll say, when you did it to the least, to the least. And uh, again, this great God who's amazing and powerful, his eye is on the sparrow. He loves the broken ones. He loves, he loves broken things, you know. And, and I, I look at, at, at all the women in my world who have been seriously broken and God has healed them. They're the ones I want to take on the, on the mission field. When they, they know failure. They know what the enemy is capable of. They are fired up. Because they also know who can fix them. And they're bold. Not to just tell it, but they're living proof. And I believe that I'm speaking to someone right now. And you believe that you are not qualified or capable. And that's one of those lies that we've been talking about. Is that God, if you have God in your, in the, in your heart uh, and on the throne... It's him, Christ in me, that has the power to heal. That's an amazing thing. So, we have about five more minutes. 
What's something you'd like to leave uh, the girls with today? Well, I already told you my grow, grow, grow. Um, (laughs) So the other part of that is close your Bible, forget to pray, and you shrink, shrink, shrink. So we don't want to do that. The kids want to be bigger. They want to grow. So we want to be doing that. And when we think, I don't have time or it's too... I don't know where to start. Um, I can tell you there are 31 Proverbs, and there's 30, 31 days in a month. You could read a proverb a day. Um, There's so many readings you can do on your phone, the one your Bible. There's just so many places you can start to just dig into. There's the verse of the day. You know, we all have our phones. We can put stuff like that in there. But um, start somewhere. Genesis 1-1, that works too. And just have the Lord show you what he'll show you. And, um, you know, your prayers, they're not fancy. They don't have to be fancy. The Lord just wants to talk to you. He wants to have a conversation with you. And if this is new to you, just call out to him and ask him for, sometimes it's just help. And he's always there for us. He's, um, he's so real. And just, just do it and be faithful. That's what he wants, faithful. He wants us to be faithful. And if you don't trust God, um, look around, and you can tell the women who do trust God, and talk to them, and let them help you, because we are not going to do this alone, and it's proven that change and growth happens in environments of love, and these women around you that love the Lord, um, I didn't trust God when I came here, and I found women who I knew did, and they taught me how to, because I didn't know how to, so um, don't go it alone. I'll kind of go off topic. Um, I think just back to the whole, you know, theme of sojourning and traveling. Um, I've been, I'll just share with you, kind of it's, um, a personal thing, I think, just not being passively waiting. Um, and I know I've talked about this um, with people kind of leading up to the conference, but um, it's just so easy to wait just for heaven and just cruise on through life. You're a Christian, you're saved, that's awesome. You go to church and you volunteer every once in a while. Um, but it's, that's not what it takes. And, you're, and I think Margie just hit on it. You're missing out on such a full life. And um, I think it's so easy in this age. I, don't, I can't speak to the generations before, but it's so easy now. Everything's so convenient. So it's so convenient to be a Christian. Um, and um, it shouldn't be convenient to be a Christian. Um, and so I'm convicted, and I'm trying to be a more, you know, um, what's the opposite of passive? Proactive. Proactive. There we go. Christian. Uh, sojourner, I think, through this life. Um, with eyes on heaven, but eyes on the people before me. Um, and so, yeah, I would just, as I am encouraged in that, I was encouraged in you in that. Um, I like that you switched topics a little bit. Um, so, uh, Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these 
things will be added unto us. And I think Pastor Rob was just talking about it within the last week. You know, it's seeking God's kingdom starts with that Bible reading, the devotion time, but it's it's the lifestyle of seeking his kingdom in everything that we're doing, whether it's making dinner or doing the dishes. Uh, for me, homeschooling my daughter, uh, hanging out with my friends, going to the grocery store, that kind of thing. Seeking his desire, his kingdom in the midst of just living life. And I loved Margie's first two points. Don't get comfortable and loosen your grips. So don't get, I don't want to get too comfortable in any one thing because my Bible reading shows me that that's not a good idea. <laughs> I just, we're going through the books, book of Acts in, um, in the one year Bible. And I can see very clearly that people just get picked up and moved wherever God wants. <laughs> um, and then loosen, and then loosen my grip on my own expectations and my priorities and my desires and just have that open to whatever the Lord's is. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to close with just, um, I picked up a book by Max Lucado, um, and the title was, You'll Get Through This. Um, It was given to a friend of mine who was going through a very hard time, and she decided not to read it. (laughs) She gave it to me. I, I didn't intend to read it, the whole thing, so I just opened it up in the middle, which I sometimes do. And it uh, started with a story where uh, he was somewhere and his little girl, uh, toddler, was playing around where they were talking with friends. And all of a sudden they missed her and she had fallen in the pool. And um, they had to call 911, I believe, and, and, um, the, but, but they, they, they resuscitated her. And they spent the rest of the day saying, isn't God good? Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And that's how, how Vaughn started our day. God is good. But at the end of the day, God confronted Max and spoke to his heart and said, Max, if she hadn't have been resuscitated, would I still be good? And um, Joseph had to make a thousand decisions. Um, God was good when he gave him his promise and his new code, and he was the favorite son. But those days when he was in prison or falsely accused or taken as a slave, it wouldn't have seemed that God was good. And I believe that some of you are in that season where, um, where's your goodness now? Um, But we know the end of a story. And it's off the charts good. And I personally need that story, don't you? I need to, for him to have gone through that. So I can see that God's ways are always good. So let's pray. Pray this back. Lord, we just thank you that you are good all the time. And God, when there's a dark sky... And we're shivering in the cold. And we're wondering, how long, Lord, may we sense your presence in the valley of the shadow of death. May we trust your presence. And God, know that you will never leave us or forsake us. That you promised that you've overcome the world. 
And so, God, I pray, as we've already prayed over and over today, God, that you would freshen up, fire up our sense of eternity. That, God, you are real. You are on the throne. And you love us. And, God, that we would not waste our moments, our short moments here on earth. But, God, that we would live truly for what matters. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.